I, I yeah. read one of your articles on your blog just recently. Like in that one article, I learned about like three methods I didn't even know existed. So it was like <laughs> awesome. James, I thought you knew everything. I know. So did I. And then I read the blog post and, you know, found out I was wrong. Crap. Now my world's going to shatter. What else don't you know? This podcast is sponsored by New Relic. To track and optimize your application's performance, go to rubyrogues.com slash newrelic. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 58 of the Ruby Rogues podcast. I'm your host, Charles Maxwood, and this week on our panel, we have Jesse Stormer. Hey, everyone. I usually do the guests last, but uh, I got ahead of myself. You want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm Jesse. Uh, Currently, I'm employed at Shopify. I've been doing Ruby there for about four years. Um, before that, I was doing other web stuff. I was doing PHP and C Sharp. And the book we're talking about today, working with Unix processes, kind of grew out of my experience there and in, in getting better at doing Rails and web stuff. I got interested in the, the infrastructure behind the application. And through my investigations there and, and, and building stuff there uh, came the, the knowledge that went into the book. Cool. Yeah, I guess I should have mentioned this is the book club episode for working with Unix processes. Uh, we also have Avdi Grimm. Hello from Pennsylvania. Um, Avdi, so you're working on a new book? <laughs> yeah, um, this is sort of the the much awaited by, by a few people anyway, um, uh, Confident Ruby, which is based on the Confident Code talk that I did at a, at a few conferences last year. And uh, people who are interested in information about that and want to uh, follow along as I write it, uh, can go to confidentruby.com. Awesome. All right, James. We also have James Edward Gray. I'll be the guest rogue this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you working on anything interesting? Uh, yes, I am working on interesting things, but I'm not ready to talk about them yet. So. Okay. Yeah. If you want, if you want more of James, go to Ruby's in the rough. Uh, yeah. well that's, that's retired now. So, okay, uh, don't don't go to Ruby's in the rough. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good idea, but no. <laughs> Re- retired in the rough. <laughs> right. All right, I'm Charles Maxwood from teachmetocode.com and I'm actually going to be putting up a webinar in mid-July about JSON APIs. So if you're interested in that, uh, stay tuned. I'll put a link in the show notes when I have something up. Um all right, well let's go ahead and jump in and talk about the book. I'm going to find my Kindle over here. <clears throat> gonna go and go and read the book real quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll, I'll be back in five minutes. Yeah, it's back. <laughs> you know that is actually a, an interesting place to start. Though the book doesn't take that long to read. Like um, just you know, uh, what maybe two three hours if you're working through and and uh, play with the code a little bit afterwards. You know, and so it's it's really not a long thing to get through. Um, did you do that on purpose, Jesse, or is that kind of just a uh, you know how much you fit in it or what? It was it was definitely on purpose. Um, I was saying that in the pre-show that I I originally planned to write a larger book about system programming in general, covering processes and networking and, and threads and all kinds of interesting stuff. And when I what I was most interested in was processes and and you know forking processes and, and all those kinds of things. So. Once I had written down what I wanted to about that, and I realized how much I'd written already, I said, "Wow! Before I before I continue, I should like show this to people and see if people uh, see if it resonates with people and helps people out." 
And so I showed it around to some some coworkers and some friends, and and they really liked it. So I decided to just like package it up as its own its own book and uh, and put that out there. So that's why it's uh, that's why it's that length. What what made you decide to write about? I mean, at its core, you're pretty much writing about fork, and I mean, you know, kind of an obscure, low level concept. What made you think this is important enough to be a book? Mm. Well, I, I wrote the book that I wanted to read about two years earlier. So I got interested in in like fork, fork was actually some introduction, you know, to processes. Basically, I was playing around with the the rescue source code and reading it and. Right in the middle of the main uh, worker loop, there's a, a call to fork, which I'd never seen before. So I looked at the documentation um, and said it was something about creating a process. So I remember, op- I remember opening up a console and, and forking a process right there. And all of a sudden, you know, like the console becomes unusable. It doesn't know how to read input anymore. The output is all messed up. And so I was, you know, super intrigued. Um, and I, I dug around and learned a bit more. But it was really hard to find Ruby-specific resources for this. Because at the time, and, and still, I have very uh, poor C programming skills, which is the, the typical language you'd use if you were doing, um, like, low-level stuff like that. Um, but I heard from people that you can do all the same stuff in Ruby if you if you know how. And so I, I picked up um, a larger book, uh, Michael Karask's book called uh, Linux Programming Interface, which is a great book, but it's about 1,500 pages long. Um, and the thing was, I didn't even know where to start. I didn't know what questions to ask. I didn't know what I wanted to know, just that I was interested. So a book like that, it was hard for me to, to dig in and just read the whole thing. So I mostly... Uh, through looking at a few examples in the book, looking at the Ruby documentation, looking at open source projects that I found, I kind of, uh, you know, figured out what I wanted to know about processes. Um, and and the, the thing that I think is important about the book is that it's written for someone who has heard about forking, knows a bit about processes, but they don't know where to go next. So the book very intentionally starts with like the most basic stuff, you know, starts with showing you that your you know your code is already running in a process and builds up like you said through forking and through different things you can do with creating processes yeah i was actually pretty impressed with um just kind of the breadth of things and and the way that it was it it was very approachable the way that you know you explain things and so it was very easy to pick things up and go okay i can see where that I can see how it works, and I can see why you would want it to work that way. I think one of my favorite things was when I, when you went into what what is it fork and exec, yeah, where you effectively fork to get all of the context from the other process, and then you execute something, and and within that context, I thought that was really kind of an interesting thing. And and once you explained it, it it seemed pretty intuitive, but you know, I don't know if I would have come up with something like that on my own. What's really cool about that particular example, Fork and Exec, is that's basically how <laughs> Unix works, right? Yep. I mean, Unix was yeah. designed around that concept, right? That, yep. that when you fork, you inherit all these things of the process. So you can fork, you know, set some things up, then fork to make sure your child gets those, and then exec to turn it into a totally different process, which is what you intended it to be, but with that new environment, right? So... Yeah, exactly. Unix is understanding some of the concepts in this book <clears throat> actually explains some of the low-level concepts of Unix, right? Yeah, I think once you understand fork and exec, you understand that like the, your whole system is like 
forking exec all the way down from like if if you're on OSX and using launch D for instance, uh, it, launch D is going to launch a bunch of processes when when your system boots and it does that with fork and exec all all the way down to like you know if you if you're in your shell and you uh, start up IRB it's going to fork and exec an IRB process and even one of the most common points of feedback I've had about the book is people saying, oh, I didn't know that the, the tick method or the kernel system method does a fork underneath. <laughs> but, of course, that's fork and exec, too, just like everything else. Yep. Fork and exec is also what I like to do at a restaurant. I get my fork and I exec on my meal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's ride right back, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you all laughed, so... <laughs> That just means that just means we have incredibly poor taste. Um, <laughs> you all must be as tired as I am. So Jesse, you talked about um, you know the documentation and looking into it and stuff. So I actually have to admit that uh, you taught me something cool in your book that I didn't know. Um, I've always known you know how to look up man pages, and I I, I usually know you know which number uh, the, the pay, particular page I'm interested in is under, which level. Uh, but this is the first time I've actually ever had the levels explained to me. Where like, <laughs> oh, you find system functions here and, and, you know, programs here and stuff like that. So I thought that was really awesome how you just, like, stop. And you do that in a couple of points in the book, actually. The man pages is one example I can think of. And then um, session groups and process groups. Every now and then when you're going to, you know, introduce some new concept, you just kind of stop and explain the underlying mechanism. And I really like that. Thanks. Yeah, I, I uh, really I, like the process groups thing, too, where, you know, you kind of have the, the master process and, and, and the way that you explained all of that stuff, the way that it hangs together. Yeah, definitely. I um, that, that was, I think, one of the, my big takeaways from the book is, is um, I'd never taken the time to properly understand process groups and session groups. And uh, and you did a really great job of of just really succinctly laying that out. Thanks. After you after you get the hang of something like that, it's really neat to play with um, like Tmux or Screen, right? Because yeah. that's what they're doing, right? Is using mm-hmm. those process groups, session groups, you know, splitting themselves off so they can keep that that session running. You know, it's pretty neat. Yeah, the the thing that really drove home the understanding for me was in playing with shells um, and job control in shells specifically. So, you know, when you run a command from the shell and and put the ampersand at the end and it backgrounds that process, um, ultimately it's it's making use of process groups and and session groups to put that process in a new session that's not attached to the terminal and then put you back on the terminal. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And similarly, like when when you have a couple of processes running uh, at the shell, like one that's piping into another, for instance, they're, in that case, they'd be in the same session group. So that when you send a signal uh, on the command line, it, it sends it to all the processes and you get the expected behavior. Yeah, some of that stuff about how, um, how signals are treated with regard to, um, to sessions and, and process groups, I, I did not know. Yeah, and, and the whole list of session, or session signals... And, and the way that they all interact and, 
you know, understanding, okay, um, when you, when you're waiting on a thread, you're actually, you know, effectively, you know, waiting for this signal to come back. And, you know, it, if it gets this kind of signal, then it does this kind of thing. And if it does this kind of signal, it does this other thing. And if it's waiting on it this way, then it reacts one way. And if it's waiting this way, it, it reacts another way. I mean, just, just the explanations, you know, it, it, it really kind of, okay, I get what it's doing now when I fire up my program or when I, you know, when I fire off a thread and tell it to go do something like this or, you know, just, just different things like that. It was, it was really, I don't know. It was, it was fascinating to me to look at it and just go, okay, that that's, that's how they're talking to each other. And that's what all of this stuff means. Cause I, I'd seen it before, but I never had it explained to me. So I'm curious what your, uh, what your go-to references are like do you have a stack of of wr stevens next to you while you're writing this stuff or or what well i i have a couple of different sources i i'd say the the main one is probably man pages um Mm -hmm. because there's so much documentation that we all have on a computer right and it's it's pretty um people read that (laughs) (laughs) well the man pages aren't always uh relevant for Ruby programmers maybe, but they, they always give you at least a jumping off point if you are, are unfamiliar with something. Uh, and then if you follow up with like a, a W.R. Stevens book, or I tend to go for the a Michael Karas book first. I, I find the, that book is a little bit more higher level and the explanations are a little bit better. Um, What's the title of that book? Uh, the Linux Programming Interface. Gotcha. Yeah. What's the W.R. Stevens book that you guys keep bringing up? It's really a whole series of books. Okay. It's, um, I mean, he wrote kind of, I think, I guess what a lot of people think of as, as the definitive books on, on Unix um, processes and IPC and networking, um, like things like TCP IP Illustrated and, and uh, what are the, uh, James, what are the, like the main Unix books? I'm, tr- I'm having trouble remembering their names. Uh, good question. I don't know. <laughs> For, uh, W.R. Stevens, I think his first big one um, was, there's, there's one called Unix Network Programming and one called right. Ad- Advanced Programming in the Unix Environment. That's the one I was thinking of. And there are, yeah. Right, Advanced Programming in the Unix Environment. And there are actually, I think, three uh, volumes of Unix, Unix Network Programming getting, getting sort of progressively more obscure. Um, and there, there are actually three volumes of TCP IP Illustrated as well. Yes, yes there are. <laughs> I think, wow. I think, I only, I think I'll only have I one. Think, okay. I think collectively he has about... Three thousand published pages on on network programming and and Unix programming. Yeah, um, but uh, but I've I've I actually I do have a, a copy of the Karask book now, and and uh, I've heard I've heard the same thing. You know, I've heard that from you. I've heard that from other people that 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 he's really kind of distilled a lot of the stuff that you'd find in the in the uh, the Stevens books and updated it as well. Yeah, so, the interesting. Okay, I was just going to say uh, an interesting tidbit about the Karask book is that. I'm not sure to what extent he's involved, but he's apparently the maintainer of the Man Pages uh, project. Oh, very so, nice. Wow. Yeah, crossover there. What about, Jesse, what was your goal in doing this? I mean, like, when you when you thought about this book, I mean, I know you said that it was what you wanted to read, but what do you hope, what do you hope people read this and, like, come away with, you know? Um, I, I think the main thing that I, I wanted to to instill in people was kind of like showing them what's possible. And for, for a couple of reasons, like the first one is just that it's super interesting and super fun um, to know that you have these things uh, at your fingertips, like right in, in the Ruby language and you've probably never used them. 
and and probably that the code that you are using is already relying on them. So it's fun to get like to get a look at that layer uh, of your stack and to to start utilizing it. And I, I guess I'm kind of going into the second point there, which is that I hope that people take the concepts and build stuff with it because I mean there are certain kinds of um, applications, certain kinds of problems that lend themselves really well to uh, you know to the techniques that I show in the book. Um, and, and so I've, I've talked to some people who have read the book and said, you know, you, you gave me the confidence to, you know, to write this, um, you know, crazy forking demon process uh, code. And, and so I'm always really happy to hear that someone took the concepts and applied them. Can I ask what your, uh, what your book writing process is like? Sure. Why do you care, um, Abdi? What? Yeah, yeah, do I care? Yeah. What's it to you? <laughs> <laughs> are, are you curious about the tools or, or the actual like how I how I focus and and how I edit and stuff like that? He, he, really he just wants to tell you you're doing it wrong if you're not using org mode. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm really interested in, in in all of the above, both the tools and the the like the personal process, and also like you know the process the. Uh, of uh, you know how you how you get it out to people you know do you did you start with a beta that kind of stuff so really all of the above so I'll, I'll try and tell this the story in short form um, about the summer of, of last year uh, I, I really felt like I had a good understanding uh, of these concepts and I was building stuff with it and when I talked to people about it you know I, I, I always like the interesting conversations and lots of questions so I felt like I really wanted to share this, and I, I knew that nothing existed that was quite like it. So I originally started just putting my ideas down into um, what I wanted to be a screencast, and quickly realized that I'm much better at writing than screencasting. So I, I started writing, and, and um, I, in terms of tools, and, uh, and so in terms of writing tools, I, I wrote all my text in Markdown from the beginning, not sure where I was gonna, going to put it. Um, and I had known about this little framework called Kitabu. It's a little Ruby, uh, a Ruby gem that takes Markdown or textile files and compiles them into an HTML that is suitable to use with Prince XML, um, which is a tool for generating uh, PDFs from HTML. So I knew that I had that at my disposal, and it gave me the ability to style my book with HTML and CSS, which I was really comfortable with. So I tried that out and I liked it immediately and started using that for uh, all, all the way through the process. And in yeah, terms of... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you have a question? I was just saying, I, um, while, while I was reading the book, I did uh, notice that, you know, it was, it was probably pretty homegrown. Like, you know, there's, uh, there, there was a couple of places, uh, at least in the early version, where you know, the code kind of flowed outside of the uh, box a little, right, and stuff like that. So I kind of <laughs> noticed that you were, you were definitely using it uh, as, as just a kind of scripted system. But um, the cool part of that, you know, is uh, you, still, you still got a pretty heavy level of control. Like you, um, you formatted the PDF so that it's really nice uh, reading on a, on a screen. I always love that, like when the PDF is not meant to be printed and then read, you know, which kind of defeats the whole point, you know. So, yeah, I agree. So that, I thought that was cool. I, was, I just wanted to say that. Keep going, though. So uh, for the, the writing process itself, there was definitely no beta version. 
I barely told anybody that I was working on it. It, it was kind of like a, I still had my, my day job at Shopify and I would work on this kind of in the evenings after my, my daughter would go to bed and sometimes late into the evening. And I, I really was never sure that I would share it with anybody. I was just, I was putting my ideas down and I was learning new things along the way. So it was worthwhile for me. And, and I really enjoyed the process of writing. Um, well, and really enjoyed the process of editing more than writing. Um, but eventually I got to something I was happy with and I'll, I'll just share a bit of the editing process, which is that I don't think I write well, but I edit pretty well. <laughs> so I like to think of it as just kind of like I put all this text in a box uh, and then the editing process is just like taking stuff out of the box and stacking it up into a nice structure so that I, I spend a lot more time uh, editing than writing and that's where the it really comes together. Um, and so to, towards the end, I had something that I thought was, you know, it was uh, pretty good and I showed it to a couple of people. One of the first people I showed it to was uh, Marc-Andre Cornoyer and and he had he gave me great feedback, and so that that was encouraging. I showed it to a few coworkers, and and they were encouraging too. So I, I just um, kind of like in in terms of actually getting it out to people. Um, since I work at Shopify and they're an e-commerce platform, I uh, use the platform to sell the book. Hmm. Uh, and I, I just I, I, there's nothing really scientific or really planned about the whole process. I just said. Well, some people seem to like it. I'll, I'll put it out there and see how it goes. And so one day I announced on Twitter that I had this book and and it went really well. <laughs> I was really surprised. It's <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. Do you think, do you like the, like the, the small publishing that seems to be, you know, kind of taken off in the Ruby community, these, these books like this and, and Avdi's books, uh, do you think that's a good way for our community to go? I do absolutely. Um, I, I don't mean. I, I think. I, I think it's uh, still f for some writing styles. I should say. I don't think that the place of a, a publisher who you know is going to give you a, an editor and a, and a layout editor and all that stuff. I don't think that's obsolete. But that I know that I never would have um, completed a writing process that that took you know twelve months and that had somebody else. Uh, in there with me, giving me really really intense feedback at the beginning because for for me at least the the process is very personal um, and i, I wouldn 't have been able to finish the project if it wasn 't just me i think mm. right uh, and so then the, the other the, I just want to finish by saying the other aspect of this publishing that I like is that i 'm able to have like a much closer relationship with readers of the book so like Everybody who buys the book, you know, gets an email from me with the, the download links, and I get a, a lot, a lot of people replying back with with questions or feedback. Able to have like a, a tighter relationship with readers that way than if my book was going out through Amazon and through other channels ex exclusively. Well, yeah, and you get random readers that uh, want to read your book and then talk about it on some show. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdos. That's always nice. <laughs> Stalkers. I know. Uh, I wish they'd just shut up. <laughs> what What I thought you said was cool, too, though. Uh, you talked about, you know, the differences between, like, this small-time self-publishing and the, uh, you know, the bigger publishers. But it doesn't actually have to be either or, right? I mean, your book recently got picked up by private-minded programmers, right? Absolutely. So um, that's kind of cool. Yeah. 
So uh, I have to confess, when I first read this book, uh, which was a while back now, I, I read it um, back around when we announced it, and I got mad um, because I was like, where is the um, section on ICP? Uh, and it wasn't in there, and I, and I was all mad, so I, I was prepared to <laughs> chew you out when we got you on the show for not having a section on ICP, and then while I was waiting for the show to happen, <clears throat> I get James, this, you're such a juggalo. I know, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then while I was waiting on um, this show to happen, I got an email at one point, and it's like, hey, I added a bunch of stuff to the book, mainly all about ICP. <laughs> I w- went back and read all those sections, and that was really cool. So I, what I was going to say is I kind of like how this is like a, almost like a living thing, and it's evolving over time, right? Yeah, I completely agree. Like a book is definitely a living thing, and and on that note, like I have a chapter coming out later this week. Um, so, can, can you tell us what it's on? Sure. Um, it's about uh, resource limits. So someone was asking about, um, you know, how, how many open files can I have in one process at one time? And um, I didn't I didn't realize that you could uh, change that kind of those kinds of limits within a Ruby process. So I learned something new in, in trying to answer that question, and, and I wrote a chapter about it. Is that how you decide what to, um, you know, where to go next, like some of the feedback you're getting? Did you have people tell you, how do I do ICP or IPC? Um, yeah, that, that was definitely a point of feedback. I had originally planned to, like, give IPC more attention. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't think that I could give it justice in a chapter or two, Um and I got so much feedback from people saying the book is great, but where's the IPC? That I I decided that I could you know put an intro um, and and cover you know at least enough to get people excited about it and, and to introduce the concept. Um, and that seems to have made everyone happy. I'm glad I dodged the bullet of of you coming after me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's kind of it's it's one of those things you really need to know a little, right? I mean, as soon as you yeah. make a little process, I mean. You know, there's that fun part where you write a few forks, uh, you know, and you start to figure out how it's all working. And then the next thought you have is, how do I get these guys talking to each other, right? Because that's, yeah. that's kind of key. Right. If you want the new chapters, do you just go download the book again? or? Yeah, you can just always reuse the link. And uh, um, I, I usually send around uh, an update email, too, when, when new stuff comes out. So you're working on a new book, right? That's right. It's it's in progress. Okay. Can you give us the the short, you know, uh, why this book's going to be awesome too? For sure. Um, I hinted at the end of the at the processes book that you know I I, I wanted to talk about networking, but you, this is we've already talked about it so much that I'll I'll save it for later. So this is kind of me uh, living up to that. Um, and the, the networking book, or I don't know if I've said yet that the new book is called Working with TCP Sockets, uh, and it's going to be all about network programming in Ruby. And I think it's at least as relevant as the, the processes book because, um, you know, we're all, we're all doing web stuff. We're all, you know, connecting to database servers. We're all doing so much that relies on networking. Um, and so this book will intend to give you a... Uh, in a similar approach as the processes book, like a look at the basics of networking and, and start at really simple stuff and, and build up to talking about, you know, creating servers and doing non-blocking I.O. and 
and building um, evented systems and different server architectures and stuff like that. So is there a link for that so that people can come and say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> yeah, if you, uh, if you go to workingwithtcpsockets.com, you can leave your email address and, and that's the best way to stay in touch right now. How do you come up with these domains? <laughs> well, uh, the the working with and working with is the common part of the of the titles, right? So I I reuse that in the next book. Oh, you should get workingwith.com. I think I tried, and that one's taken. <laughs> uh, figures. It's a good idea. There's a I I I'll put a link in the show notes, but there's a. A uh, cool article I read on Jesse's blog uh, not too long ago about passing uh, I.O. objects across sockets. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. And I just started reading and a silly little blog post. And like, I learned about three methods I didn't even know existed in Ruby from one blog post. So uh, to me, that was kind of a cool uh, primer for the upcoming uh, socket book. So you guys should definitely check it, check it out. Yeah, it sounds Jesse, good. I- I have a question um, about your about your blog. Actually, mm-hmm. um, you have a picture uh, a picture of yourself there. It appears that you are hiking while wearing a life uh, a life preserver vest <laughs> yep. thingy. Um, were you expecting a flash flood? <laughs> <laughs> I love where this show goes sometimes. <laughs> no, but that's actually uh, that photo is actually very relevant to the the writing of my of my the book we're talking about. So uh, I wrote a, a blog post uh, not too long ago just giving a, a brief background on how the book came to be. And one of the things I said was that I had the idea for the book and I, I wrote down a few things and I wasn't sure how I was going to organize it. And then I went on this um, wilderness trip, which is where that picture is from. And so the, the trip was two and a half weeks um, in the forest in Wisconsin. We had no, no technology, and no, no electronics of any kind. And the particular picture you're looking at, I had a life jacket on because we were doing some canoeing. Um, but it was there when I was like away from technology and, and daily distractions that I really was able to like get in my notebook and write down uh, how I wanted to structure the book and do a lot of brainstorming. So that when I came back um, from the trip, I was really excited to work on the project and I really had a good idea of where I wanted to go and, and what I wanted to say. Um, so that's the story of the picture. <laughs> I love right, well, that. that makes me that makes me feel a little better because now I know I'm not the only person that that can be out in the middle of the the staggering glory of of the outdoors, you know, in the middle of the wilderness somewhere somewhere, and be thinking, I wonder if I can pass, I wonder if I can pass a socket over a pipe somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guys go outside? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are things out there like the sun and I must dirt. be doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how you're you're talking about yeah. So I went out and I got away from technology, and, and I sat I down and about brainstormed about technology. Yeah, I sat down and <laughs> brainstormed about technology. It really wasn't intentional. I I, I went there. Like, I didn't have that intention of going there, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I had I just was put my thoughts down on paper, and then I was able to get back to the experience. Um, but as I'm sure you guys know, if you've taken time away from the daily distractions of technology, it can be really productive. Yeah, that's actually... Um, I don't uh, believe it. A, a book I love called Pragmatic Thinking and Learning talks a lot about that because you're 
you know, you basically give your brain that chance to rest, you know, and it sits there doing what it does best in the background, which is just pattern matching, you know, and it's sitting there thinking, well, what about this? What about that? And that's, that's why it turns out to be such inspiring time, right? Yeah. Yeah, but have you guys actually been away from Twitter? Do you know what these withdrawal symptoms feel like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the other problem, right? You start twitching after a while. Yeah, yeah and you start clipping at 140 characters when you speak. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> but, yeah, so... Anyway, I also wanted to get in and talk a little bit about the kind of the first handful of chapters of the book. Um, if you've dealt with Linux on on any you know massive scale, I mean, most of the stuff was pretty. I'm trying to pull up the table of contents, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, it starts with talking about you know PIDs and and file descriptors and stuff like that. Right, exactly. You know, this stuff is pretty basic, but at the same time, I mean. Just you, know, you have to have that understanding to understand how all of this stuff works, and it, it's also you know just understanding that they have IDs that you can send them kill signals and things like that. I mean, just <clears throat> just some basic basic stuff, and and just the things that you went over. You know that they have parents, that they have file descriptors, that they have an environment, that they have names and exit codes. I mean, all of that stuff right there. I mean, it really empowers you to gather a lot of information about what your what your system is doing what your program is doing um outside of the you know the normal it ran and then it ended you know or it ran and through an exception you know there, there's a lot more there and and knowing that and knowing how to interact with your processes you know kind of from the outside and seeing your programs that way i, I thought i thought that that was pretty handy and you know I, i'd been a sysadmin so i knew some of it but uh, at the same time, it, it really clarified a lot of a lot of stuff that I think I, I knew but didn't really completely get, I guess. Mm -hmm. See, I, yeah. I found that, like, when I first started learning this type of stuff, um, you know, it used to be like when I had to set up a server, for example, to run a Rails application, you know, I would just Google around and find the steps and follow mm -hmm. those steps exactly. And when something went wrong, I was like, I had no clue what to do, you know. And then after I started learning about how processes interact, well, what fork is, you know, how, how does exact work, things like that, then I found that I could understand, you know, more what was happening. Oh, this process can't do this, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I think with the first few chapters, I also wanted to get people um, just taking really simple code and running it in their console and seeing something meaningful in something, um, in in some cases, it was something new they didn't know before, just to kind of get the momentum going to continue through the chapters where things got harder and and more complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one other thing that I really liked about the book were the appendices at the end. Um, you know, there were there were examples from Rescue and Unicorn, and uh, you have Spyglass. I don't I don't remember exactly what that was. I think it was a project you built for the book as an example. That's right. But yeah. It was uh, some code you could go through, which was kind of cool because it was, um, you know, it was, it was some basic process code, but it was also, you know, pretty simple. Um, so I actually had some fun browsing through it, you know, cause you could, you could pretty easily follow everything that was going on, you know, whereas a lot of times with, you know, like unicorn, if you really look into unicorn, I mean, it's not too bad, but it's definitely a, a step up on the complexity scale, you know, where, whereas following it through can be complicated. Yeah, I had to read the the examples from Rescue and Unicorn a couple of times before I really 
Because I wanted to understand, you know, just back to front, top to bottom, exactly what was going on there. And, um, you know, it, it, it was nice to see something that's in action that people are out there using and, you know, kind of have that mental challenge of going, okay, I really need to get, you know, these different pieces and, and you know, okay, I didn't quite understand that, you know, so I go back and, you know, reread that section and, and really understand what's going on there. But, uh, you know, yeah, it, it's pretty foundational to a lot of the stuff that we use and we just don't think about it. Yeah, for sure. There's a kind of neat uh, blog post uh, follow-up on the, um, in the in the book. You talk about all the standard streams, standard out, standard in, standard error uh, in, in Unix. Um, there's kind of a neat Ruby slant on Eric Hodel's blog that explains, like, why when Ruby starts up, there's actually multiple copies of uh, standard in and standard out and, and things like that and how you can basically change some out and, and then, but you still have that reference to what they were in the beginning. So that lets you like swap one, then swap it back to what it was, you know, and, and that's kind of neat. So I just, um, when I saw that blog post, I thought it was kind of a neat add-on uh, to um the, the book that we were reading here. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. I'll put the link in the show notes. All right, cool. Well, is there anything else that we need to talk about before we get to the picks? Um, just one thing that I'll, I'll mention, cause I think it's interesting, which is that, um, I've been writing a, a, a series of, of posts on my blog. It's, it's been a few weeks since I've, uh, since I've added to it, but, it's a, it's a series where I'm building a, a Unix shell in Ruby code. Um, so something that you could like replace bash with, for instance. And I think it's a really interesting look at these techniques for working with processes because when you look at building a shell, you realize how many of these techniques um, were created specifically for a shell program. You know, if you think about when uh, the first versions of, you know, of fork and exec and uh, and various other system calls were being written like 40 years ago, the terminal was the only interface to the computer. And so the system was built around that interface. And, you know, today we do so many, we have so many other interfaces, you know, to work with, but still these primitives are most suited to working, like to building shells and working with shells. So. I think uh, I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's an interesting, uh, interesting read. Cool. Is there a GitHub repo that people can look at too? Yeah, yeah. I'll put that in the show notes too. All right. Cool. Um, yeah, that sounds that sounds really cool. It's something that I'd be interested in seeing and digging into. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get into the picks. Um, did we warn you about picks, Jesse? I know that you listen to the show, so you probably know what they are anyway. Yeah, I'm a frequent listener. I, I know the picks. All right, cool. Well, we'll start with Avdi. Avdi, what are your picks? So I can't believe that this is not in the pick list already, but um, Greg Brown's Practicing Ruby series. Um, it's a... Uh, uh, I will just read the tagline off because I'm not sure how to describe it. An eclectic journal for the dedicated hacker lovingly curated by, by Gregory Brown. Um, and uh, basically you can sign up for this. It's, it's not a free service, but you can sign up for this and you get really well long longer well-written articles like better you know sort of a 
higher standard than you'd find on a typical blog post um, about various uh, various topics, and uh, particularly good for anybody who's still in withdrawal from from the the cancellation of of James' um, wonderful and and missed um, series Ruby's in the Rough. Um, <laughs> Plus one, I'm practicing Ruby. It's cool stuff. <laughs> yep. I, 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 James, I totally get where that was just like too much, too much time, um, because you know I've I found myself in the same boat very often. But uh, but man, I miss that stuff because I learned something with every single issue. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, practicing Ruby is awesome, and uh, and and this is also a tiny bit of self promotion because um, the very last um, latest article is uh, a guest article that I wrote, and it will basically give you a preview of some of the content that you'll see in the Confident Ruby book. Um, my other pick um, is a. Uh, uh, an Android program called Mantano Reader. Um, I've tried a bunch of different book reader programs, and like ebook reader programs, and, and this is the best one I've found. Um, and recently, I hooked it up with their their new cloud offering, which syncs it syncs it up between um, between devices, so that like uh, my phone knows where I left off reading on my tablet. And you're probably already used to this in stuff like um, like the Kindle Reader. But this is for you know those those DRM free books that you download from Prague Prague or from O'Reilly or whatever, um, where it's not part of a a service. It's just a file that you downloaded. Uh, you can still have them you know synced up across your devices using this, which is kind of cool. All right, cool. Uh, James, what are your picks? <clears throat> yeah, I've got a few. Um, first of all, uh, just in uh, some cool libraries uh, that I think everybody should play with. Um, first of all, I'm kind of surprised that I've never mentioned this one before, uh, but I've looked and it, I haven't. Uh, and that's Typhoeus. Uh, if you Woo! have to do, it, yeah, I know, isn't that awesome? If you have to do HTTP stuff, um, Typhoeus is just absolutely my favorite Ruby library for that these days. Um, NetHttp is great in that it comes with Ruby, but it also has a terrible interface. I mean, we just have to face that. It's absolutely terrible. <laughs> I, I love how you put that. It's great in that it comes with Ruby. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, it's its only redeeming quality is That's that it, redeeming you don't one, have right? to install it's, it. It's, it's pure Ruby, whereas Typhoeus um, uh, needs libcurl, so uh, it's not. You know, uh, so that it, you know there are there are advantages to things like NetHttp, but if you can use Typhoeus, I mean, so do it. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, libcurl under the hood, so you know all the robustness and richness of curl. Uh, and what makes it really awesome is it binds to um, libcurl multi, so um, you can you know uh, queue up a whole bunch of requests and fire them all off, and then just trigger blocks as they come in. Uh, allowing you to do things effectively in parallel, right? When you need to make um, a bunch of requests, and I use that when dealing with APIs all the time. You know, some, especially if it's a dumb API where I have to fetch some list, and then I have to fetch like ten items out of the list. You know, you just uh, fire all that up in in Typhoeus and do it in parallel, and it's just awesome. So uh, that library absolutely rocks. I think it's the best HTTP library going in Ruby. I bet uh, libcurl uses uses fork for that <laughs> I, i'm not sure exactly how it how it does it under the head that's an interesting question um yeah it's there's it's possible it uses threads yeah because uh, yeah. it's it's all um it's io based right so it, right. it you know it gets the request fired up and then it blocks waiting for the answer which is what allows it to switch and do other things you mm -hmm. know so it, it may be threads i don't know um, that's a good question though 
Um, the uh, other library that I just became aware of a couple of days ago and didn't know about at all is Drip. Um, and if you're like a, a NoSQL guy, you know, you enjoy uh, looking at those kind of things, um, check out Drip. It's pretty cool. It's from uh, uh, Seki, I think is his name. And he did uh, lots of things you already know and love, like ERB, um, DRB, Renda, uh, all that kind of stuff. He also did uh, this library called Drip, which he says is the library he made after years of making applications with DRB and Renda, and then, you know, from the lessons he learned from that. And is basically uh, like a, a way to share streams between processes, streams of data. And then you can keep a cursor into the stream and, and you know, just walk forward in the stream and process data as you want. And um, as I was learning how to use this, um, it really reminded me of the episode we did with the Square guys where they were talking about how um, they found it so much more effective uh, rather than to push events, uh, you know, to like pull from their feeds of their different services, mm -hmm. you know, and keep their own cursor. That's almost exactly what this thing does. Um, so uh, it really made me think of that. And if you enjoyed that episode, you'll probably enjoy this. It doesn't have very good documentation, um, probably due to the language barrier, um, but there is a sample directory in the project, and you can look through there to get some ideas, or you can go get the amazing DRuby book, which includes two different chapters on it. So um, that can serve as documentation. Uh, and then finally, for a fun pick, I, I have no idea how this movie got past me, uh, but I finally watched Red the other day, R-E-D, uh, and that is just like a hilarious action romp that's totally corny and fun, uh, kind of along the lines of like a Demolition Man or uh, uh, True Lies kind of fun. Uh, it never takes itself too seriously, and it's just a great time. So if you like movies like that, you should definitely see Red, uh, which I think I didn't see a lot about it when it came through, I guess, and it somehow stuck past my radar, but it's a cool movie. I enjoyed it. Those are my picks. Awesome, awesome. All right, I'll go ahead and give my picks, and then we'll let Jesse go last. Um, so my first pick, um, I've gotten to know uh, a fellow by the name of Cliff Ravenscraft. Um, he does Podcast Answer Man and a bunch of other shows that I really enjoy. Um, he's, he's, uh, kind of, well, he's not kind of, he is an expert on, on podcasting and, and has quite a brand and business built around that. And, um, I know I've picked podcast answer man on the show before, but he is opening up a podcasting A to Z course. So if you're interested in learning how to, how to, uh, do podcasting, how to set up a, uh, WordPress site to run it, um, or, or if you want to set up something else, you know, He'll give you a lot of pointers. He goes over equipment, uh, software, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, so it's pretty much, you know, an A to Z, you know, and end course on how to do podcasting, um, how to get it into iTunes and all of that stuff. And so if you're interested, the course is regularly $999 and it's a four week course. Um, but if you use the, he sent me a promo code because we're friends now. And uh, anyway, the promo code is Wood. It's my last name, W O O D. And if you Wait, use, you have friends. Uh, don't talk to me. <laughs> Just kidding. Now he has one less. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, if you use the promo code, you get a hundred dollars off, and I also get a little bit of a kickback. 
Um, but you know, Cliff is definitely kind of the ex- he is definitely the expert on podcasting. And so, if you're serious about putting together a podcast for your business or anything, then then definitely go check it out. It starts July 9th, and I think it goes through August fourth. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's totally worth it. So anyway, I'll, I'll go ahead and put a link up for that. Um, and then, um, another thing that I've been doing lately is I've been reading the getting things done book by, uh, is it David Allen? And, um, I finally got to the point where it's now that you understand the, the principles behind this. Now we're going to actually get in and start, you know, implementing this system to, to organize all of your stuff so you can get stuff done. And, uh, so yesterday, not yesterday, Monday, I spent all day basically cleaning my office and, you know, you basically create this huge in pile and then you organize the in pile and then you, uh, you know, you, you start, you know, implementing the process to, to get the stuff done. And, uh, I have to tell you that it's, it's been really nice to get everything together and, and put it where I need it so I can find it. Um, one of the things that he has you buy is a labeler. And yes, <laughs> I have to say I've had my labeler for two days and I already love it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm addicted. I, I don't know how I lived without one before, but yeah, um, I did the exact same thing um, when I read that book and it's, it's been one of my favorite things ever since. And the, the, now do you find yourself like, you know, labeling the cat and, and labeling hey, small the children <laughs> <laughs> doesn't move fast enough. All right. Um, I have been tempted. I have uh, suppressed the urge, but I am definitely labeling a lot of stuff in and around my office. Um, stuff, some stuff that, yeah, definitely doesn't need to be labeled. So <laughs> anyway, you know, it's just like, yes, I know what that is, you know, but I have to put the label on it anyway. But yeah, so uh, it, it's been really nice. You know, I've been using it to, to you know, label all of my files and you know, to, to organize a lot of other things. And it's, it's just been super, super nice. Um, so anyway, I'm going to put the, the labeler in the show notes and a link to the book, uh, getting things done. Um, I haven't quite finished the book because I'm still, um, I'm still organizing. I just ran out of time on Monday and, and I had a rush job for a client yesterday. So, um, anyway, it's, it, it, uh, it, I, I don't know what to say. I just, I, I love this thing. So, Anyway, um, Jesse, what are your picks? Okay, so my first pick is the um, USP.Ruby mailing list. So it's a mailing list uh, specifically for learning about systems programming in Ruby. So it's totally on point with the topic today. Uh, The guy who writes the posts is Eric Wong, who is the author of Unicorn. Uh, And if you manage to find his profile on uh, rubygems.org, He's also the author of a whole bunch of other uh, Ruby libraries that, um, you know, make use of, of Unix concepts. So the the mailing list uh, is kind of like a, oh, maybe I can read you a couple of the post titles, but it, it basically talks about uh, doing I.O., it talks about system calls, it talks about working with Unix uh, time concepts and, and all, all kinds of things about processes. And so if you're interested in the, the topic of the book. You'll be interested in this for sure. Uh, so I'll put the link to that in the show notes. And the other one is a, a Mac app called Shush uh, that I've been using lately. Uh, I'm actually I'm using it right now on this call. Basically, what it does is it it uh, mutes your microphone all the time unless you hold down a key, and then it lets you talk. 
Um, and so if you if you do a lot of uh, Skype meetings uh, or or stuff like that, it's really useful just to n not be quite as uh, intensive as the as clicking the Skype mute button. It's a little more intuitive, uh, but it lets you block out background noise and you know you can mutter to yourself uh, on on a call and not bother everyone else. So it's kind of like the the talk button on a walkie-talkie. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to a mute button, which works the other way. Yeah. That's cool. I'll have That's to check really that out. That's really awesome. That should be required for all future Rogues guests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we'll install it on David's machine when he's not looking and not tell him. Yeah. <laughs> what, Dave? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. What? Yeah, all right, cool. Well, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Um, as you know, we finished our book club book, so uh, we have to pick another one. And uh, the another one that we picked is Growing Object-Oriented Software Guided by Tests. Um, I'll have an, an Amazon link in the show notes. Um, I also encourage you, if you like the show and you want to support the show, to go to rubyrogues.com. And in the, in the link on the right, or in the sidebar on the right, um, there is a place where you can sign up for Ruby Rogues Parlay. We have about 30 people in there besides the Rogues. And uh, we, we've had some pretty good discussions about testing. Um, we had quite a discussion about books and uh, got a lot of great feedback on some of the other books that we're probably going to pick for book clubs in the future. Yeah, so they get to, you know, influence us in the ways we go. So that, that was actually kind of cool. They talked a lot about the, the book we're about to read, Growing Object Oriented Software Guided by Tests, but also some other books and, and why they think they're important. And we've added those to our list. So it's cool. Yep. Yeah, we had we had quite a discussion. I think somebody was asking questions about doing service oriented architecture, and 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 that informed the book decisions a little bit. But we also had some good discussions about some of the processes and building those up and things like that. So, I mean, just some great conversations going on over there. So, uh, if you want to get in, it's, I mean, the basic level is ten dollars a year. So, I mean, you know, you can't get much cheaper than that. Um, and we'd love to have you on the list. So, anyway. Um, other than that, um, who are we talking to next week? Uh, we're, we're talking it's about ourselves. We're that, talking to ourselves. That's right. We scheduled the, the DDD discussion. So Right. So somebody needs to tell me what that is before next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say it's, it's triple D, so it's just bigger than double D. But <laughs> anyway. Um, that's terrible. I know. All right. Well, we'll wrap this up, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week.